Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode 50 of Pigskins and Nylon, presented by TabEase.com, the best LTA edible on the market. I'm Wally Lukashensky, and I'm joined today by my good friend and co-host, Casey Mock. Sadly for us, Hayden has COVID and is out for the count this week, but Casey and I will do our best to man the fort. How are you doing today, buddy? Episode 50, wow. Man, this has been an awesome ride with you guys. It's It's been a lot of fun. I really look forward to this every, every single week. Crazy, we've done 50 of these things. But I, I'm doing great, man. As you know, my Steelers snuck into the playoffs, and thanks to a loss by the Colts and, and your Raiders really saving our ass. I, I You know, I thought I saw the score. It was 29-14, I believe. I was like, oh, awesome. You know, no shot at time, whatever. And so I ended up going to bed. And I I didn't see my phone until the morning. I saw Hayden was blowing up my phone. I'm like, what the heck? And sure enough, man, that was as close as you could possibly get to, oh my gosh, to tie in there. That was insane. So I'm very thankful that your Raiders did end up kicking the field goal first off and then obviously making it as well. I'm kind of excited for the Steelers, you know, to make the playoffs. I know we have to play the Chiefs, but, you know, I, it's playoff football. I'm never going to count count out the Steelers. So really excited to see how they perform this weekend. And, you know, I also want to give a shout out to our boy Hayden. I hope he's doing better. I know he was texting us in the group chat, said he was doing better. So that's that's good. But Wally, how, how are you doing, my guy? You pretty much hit it right on the nail or nail in the head there, I should say. Good start for everybody. But yeah, the Raiders, I mean, they were up 26 to 14 at one point, And I had my friends here, the Hoffner family in Pittsburgh, diehard Steeler fans, and they were on like this big family vacation. They always go down to the Outer Banks or somewhere around the East Coast and rent out a house. And this time of year, it's really cheap, so it's a lot of fun. And they were out there watching, obviously, the Steelers get their win. And with the Colts losing, it was like they're for sure in. There's no way, there's no way the Raiders and Chargers will actually tie because, I mean, competitive play and all that, you know, the NFL wasn't going to allow them to actually kneel down like a lot of people wanted them to. So when it was 26 to 14, I was getting text in that family group chat, basically celebrating and all that. And I'm like, I'm telling you guys, you have not seen this Raiders team. They find ways to make games close, whether they should be winning or should be down. They always find a way. And I was, I literally was thinking about you guys before that kick, because even throw out the Chiefs part, I wanted to see the Raiders make the playoffs for the first time, really in 20 years. The Derek Carr injury made it feel fake the last time. But the, for the first time in 20 years with a win, like to actually do it yourself against a division rival, I was all about it. And when that kick went off, there's not a kicker in the league I'd rather have kicking it right now than Daniel Carlson in a clutch moment. So we get to both at least celebrate and Hayden too at the Bucks. How weird is it the three of us all have playoff teams and they're all different? So I'm very excited for Saturday, albeit it's against the Bengals and I have a lot of family that are Bengal fans. So we'll see, Casey. After that happened, I, I set in our group text that, you know, I hope we can all pull out a victory this coming weekend. But, you know, hate what one of your teams is going to lose on Saturday. You guys match up with the Bengals. I think Hayden prefers the Bucks to win more than the Bengals. So what don't you say? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's a lot like me where with all my family ties that I root for the Bengals. When they're not playing the Raiders, I want them to be happy. And I I mean, whatever you want to call it, I'll at least take solace in knowing that 
one very long playoff drought will end on Saturday. But for your team, too, you touched on it. Everybody's counting them out, myself included. But you have the defensive player of the year, one of the best players in football in general, and TJ Watt. He's going to keep that a game. The emotion in that locker room, especially getting Big Ben at least a swan song. At the very least, if they lose, you get him to the playoffs one more time. You know the Steelers team is going to play very hard for Big Ben. So, like you said, weirder things have happened. Don't count out the Steelers. Yeah, and I mean, you just got to think that they played the Chiefs three weeks ago. They're going to be a little bit more prepared, you you would hope. And like you mentioned, motivated to not lay an egg, I guess, for Ben's last start. But, you know, we'll see. I, I think the Chiefs are still the best team in the AFC. So, a really, really big challenge for the Steelers, obviously. And I don't know if you heard Ben's uh, press conference. I think, was it today or yesterday or something? But he was like, basically, oh, you know, we're not supposed to have a shot, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go out and have fun. So I'm sure they're focused. And I, and I, you know, obviously hope that they are too. Well, yeah, I think that was yesterday because Andy Reid and him are having this like epic gamesmanship off where Big Ben wants the Steelers to be known as the worst playoff team in the history of the world. They shouldn't be there. No one believes in them. And then meanwhile, Andy Reid was like, dude, they're playing like a one seed right now. And both couldn't be further from the truth. Both sides of what they said couldn't be further from the truth. But in that blowout against KC, the writing felt like it was on the wall for the Steelers. It felt like the season was coming to an end. And then things started getting a little hairy in the last few weeks. So who knows? Maybe you'll get a more motivated Steelers team. And Chiefs are banged up. So it's at least worth watching for the gamesmanship alone, like you were talking about. Yeah, we can only hope, man. But so last thing real quick on, on the Steelers, because I am pretty jacked up. TJ Watt is an absolute animal. And I absolutely love watching him play football. He is one really good, and his motor is something that you don't really see as frequent in, in the NFL, I feel like. So TJ Watt is is my dude. For sure. Well, and the thing is, too, is that with the new 18-week schedule in the NFL, you're seeing a lot of records get broken that wouldn't ne- like necessarily get broken in a normal 17-game year. But when people do that for T.J. Watt that don't look into it, the guy only played 15 games this year, and he was playing with his groin torn up from the third week on. So what he was able to do, I mean, there's no reason to believe he can't pass his own in Michael Strahan's record next year if he does get 17 healthy weeks in. It's a very fun Steelers defense, especially when Devin Bush is playing like he was a couple years ago, opposed to this year, and Minka Fitzpatrick gets back to that all-pro self. Who knows? This might be the kind of recipe to get that going again. And there's been a little bit of a blueprint figured out for the Chiefs. If you take Kelsey away, it's still hard to beat the Chiefs. It's like you said, they're probably the best team in the AFC still, but at least now teams are kind of formulating a way to at least be competitive with them for four quarters. I hope, man. I really hope. Amen. Three of us are going to be sitting on pins and needles this weekend, so you'll definitely want to check in to see how we're holding up next week. But now we'll get into what we're here for. It's Big Ten football, Big Ten basketball. And I like we start every week, I'm going to throw it over to you, Casey. Can you fill us in on what's happened on the recruiting world and your recruiting corner here, both football and basketball-wise? It was a pretty slow week, but there were a few notable commits I would say in the in the Big Ten and surprise headlined by Ohio State, they landed a really nice four-star defensive lineman from California. Hayden's talked about this guy. 
the past few times that we've been on the show. His name is Hero Canoe, Canal, or something like that. I'm not sure. But, you know, defensive lineman, really, really good size. And hopefully that's a start for the Buckeyes to, you know, start developing some quality depth that I think that they lacked along the defensive line this year. An interesting one here that I really haven't read that much into, but Michigan State stole away a solid four-star receiver by the name of Jeremy Bernard from Nevada. And why I say it's interesting, because he was committed and actually signed with Washington in the early signing period, but he, he must have gotten out of his letter of intent or something and decided to sign and is now actually enrolled with the Spartans. So a uh, really good job by Mel Tucker and his staff. We had no new commits in the class of 2023 and also had no basketball commits in the past week as well. A little bit of transfer portal news, not really anything too big happening in the Big Ten, but we did gain another five-star in the transfer portal. Like I mentioned last week or or a few weeks ago, I'm not sure, uh, being a five-star in the transfer portal was really, really difficult. They have a whole new rating for that. But with USC freshman quarterback Jackson Dart entering the portal, he joins three other portal players as a five-star rating, which, like I mentioned, is very difficult to achieve. But that'll do it for Casey's recruiting corner pretty slow. Do you have any thoughts on any of those, Wally? Yeah, I actually want to ask you a question, and I don't know if you'll know the answer because I can't keep straight with all the new transfer rules that have been changing, like ever flowing the last few years. But that guy that initially signed that letter of intent to play with Washington and decided, is it technically a transfer or is he just signing to play with Michigan State? Do you have any idea? I'm not sure, but from, like I said, I didn't really get into it. I just realized that when he was when he was getting crystal balls from Michigan State, I clicked on him, obviously. Like I said, he's a nice four-star receiver. And so it said that he was signed with Washington. I'm like, what in the heck is going on? But the, the only thing that I can compare it to is Xavier Worthy of last year with Michigan. So Xavier Worthy was a top 100 guy and had a fantastic Big 12 season last year with Texas. Signed with Michigan, was set to enroll with Michigan, was in Ann Arbor for January, and then something went wrong with his enrollment, and ultimately he got out of his letter of intent and went to Texas and enrolled at Texas. I have no idea about this guy. I'm not sure what went on, but that's the closest thing that I can compare that situation to. Well, then, yeah, I guess the only other takeaway from that, though, is losing Jalen Naylor, getting a a very good four-star wide receiver prospect at least, it should be at least fun to see if he can get involved early on next year, maybe following year, what have you. Kid has really good size, too. I think he's 6'2", 193, so he could be somebody that could step in and, and play right away. You know, I I haven't watched film on the guy or, or anything. I don't know about his route running and, and his catching ability and things, but, you know, with 6'2", 193, that's a pretty good-sized wide receiver in today's game. When that's 193 before you get into a college locker room with those strength and conditioning coaches too and kids 18 years old, who knows, you can throw another half inch up. But thank you again for your recruiting corner, Casey. Since Hayden's not here, I'll read real quick what happened last week in basketball in the Big Ten and then we can get going to talking about that. Last Thursday when we recorded, we got about halfway through the games. It was close at the time, Indiana and Ohio State, but they really took it to Ohio State in the last five, seven minutes of that game. They won that. Wisconsin, they beat Iowa in a pretty good game, 87-78. to Illinois continues to win 
as they beat Maryland by 12. We had no games on Friday. So Saturday, Purdue beat Penn State. And this is Penn State that since they've had COVID, they've really become kind of a scrappy team. And it was almost like the perfect mid-year timeout for them. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about them. But again, Penn State, they lose that game, but at least competed with Purdue. Rutgers killed Nebraska. You never know what you're getting in Nebraska anymore. Michigan State and Michigan was regrettably postponed due to COVID in Michigan's locker room. Sunday then, EJ Liddell leads Ohio State past Northwestern. And John Rossian put a tweet out after this game, and I thought it was really interesting, where Northwestern's a good basketball team, and they are blowing their opportunity to get into the dance. Because you can't start 1-3 at this point. They'll get the 1-4 when we get later on in Big Ten play and expect to just turn it on. There's too many good teams, and you have to hope or at least aim for that 500 record in conference play to get in. And right now, it's just not looking very hopeful for Northwestern. Wisconsin then beat Maryland by one point on the road. Maryland at that point falling to 0-4 in the conference. Very similar things to what I was just talking about with Northwestern. Indiana beat Minnesota, who's starting to come back down to earth a little bit. They're 73-60. and They're losing some close games, but they're hanging tough in them. Monday, there were no games. Tuesday, Purdue and Michigan were, once again, they were postponed. Two very high-profile games we lost this last week because of the COVID outbreak, which is a shame. Then Penn State holds Rutgers to 49 points to win by 17. More of what we were saying before, that they are all of a sudden a very pesky team to play in the Big Ten. Then Illinois pulls away late against Nebraska, sending us into last night's Wednesday slate of games. Great slate of games, by the way, last night. We didn't know it going in. But Michigan State won on a buzzer beater by Joey Hauser against Minnesota. Another tough break for the Gophers. And Northwestern loses an overtime heartbreaker at home against Maryland in a game where I feel like both teams really probably felt like they had to win. So just initial thoughts from this last week. I know your Wolverines weren't able to play because of COVID, but anything beyond that kind of catch your eye? Yeah, you know, the Buckeyes looked a little flat against Indiana, but Indiana's a, a pretty darn good team, I think. But Ohio State was able to come back and freaking shoot lights out and hold off a really pesky Northwestern team that, you know, just really seemed not to go away. Wisconsin's win over Iowa was huge. And then, you know, they didn't really play very well and was able to at least follow that up with a win against Maryland. And, you know, even though they barely squeaked that out, but it's keeping their Big Ten title hopes, regular season title hopes alive. So, you know, good for Wisconsin. Michigan, COVID issues, they, they must be severe because I have no idea... I, well, I mean, obviously, if if depends on who's out, but like why you would want to postpone two big time potential, I guess, home games. So I I hope they're I hope they're getting that cleared up, ready to go because this team is really really desperate for some momentum, and we'll, we'll get into talking about where that I feel like they can gain some here in a little bit. But those were the two. There are three things that really stood out to me. I didn't catch any of the games last night, but it seemed like they were really good games. Unfortunately, Northwestern wasn't able to beat a a really struggling Maryland team. And I, I like like you said, I thought Northwestern is a I think they're a pretty good team. Like when you watch them, I think they're a solid, solid team, but that that's a bad loss that they had last night to Maryland. 
But this is the worst part about March Madness in the brackets is that you can't really use the eye test that much because we can see, you can see in Northwestern that they are a, a solid team. And just for their sake, they just can't put it together. And last night was no different. It was a shame for them. They were actually down six with 30 seconds left, sent the game to overtime, and then Maryland just dictated terms for the final three minutes of the overtime period. And that's a shame because Northwestern, again, I think they could be a team to surprise some people if they got into March. And you saw how crazy that following was a few years ago when they did get in. It'd be cool to see it, but... With the Big Ten, we say it every year, and I know this year is going to be no different, but I'm just so impressed top to bottom in this league. There's so much quality play, even at the very bottom with Nebraska and Penn State. You have these teams that any given day in the Big Ten, you could be in for a dogfight. And there's a lot of studs on that. those teams where like Nebraska, they'll get killed by Rutgers, and then they hang tough with Illinois and make that a 35-minute game. And then it fall apart at the end again. So it's just a very deep league right now. You can't ever take any games for granted. And last thing I'll say on the last week's games, you touched on it, but the Buckeyes and EJ Liddell, I can't say enough about this kid. To come back, first of all, was, I guess we weren't sure. And he keeps growing. Like he's a better player even now where his shooting in that game against Northwestern, I want to say he hit five threes in the first five minutes. It might've been four threes in the first five minutes, but That's an element of his game that we really didn't see a lot of last year. You knew that he could occasionally get hot. But this year, there's been moments where when we need to see Ohio State find a scorer, he's been able to step up and do that. So hopefully tonight's game, and I'll start telling us here this next week's schedule, we have a really fun one tonight. Hopefully this is out right around the time of the tip. If not, you'll hear our thoughts from before. But Ohio State is going to Wisconsin where they always traditionally struggle. And Indiana is going to Iowa. Another really fun Big Ten matchup there. Friday, you have those Huskers that we were talking about going to Purdue. You would imagine that's going to be pretty ugly. Michigan, if they are still playing, they're going to Illinois. That would have been three really fun matchups in a row for them. But in a weird way, we'll talk about it more after. I'd be interested to hear your take if this pause might have actually been a really good thing for the Michigan basketball team this year we should see I guess then Saturday Northwestern's going to Michigan State to play the Spartans Rutgers is going to Maryland to play the Terps then on Sunday amazed too that they played these games on the NFL wildcard weekend it's just like who's actually going to be seeing this but on Sunday Penn State is traveling to Ohio State for better or worse Penn State seems to really give Ohio State fits at least in the last five years or so Iowa traveling to Minnesota. Really want to see the Gophers get right to the way they've struggled the last couple weeks. Monday, Purdue is traveling to Illinois. Should be a really, really fun matchup between two very good teams. Indiana, a lot less fun matchup traveling to Nebraska. Tuesday, this is the weird thing too. These little non-conference games that slide their way into January. IUPUI will go to play Ohio State. We won't talk about that one. Maryland is traveling to Michigan, and Wisconsin is going to Northwestern. And wrapping us up here with next Wednesday, Minnesota is traveling to Happy Valley to play. Penn State and Iowa is traveling to Rutgers. So backtracking here a second, Casey, I want to ask you first about the question I posed before. Do you believe Michigan is going to benefit from this pause, 
or is it going to be kind of irrelevant in the scheme of things? I certainly hope that they benefit from this little break that they had because that team was not playing really good basketball. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to Friday's game. Obviously, Michigan at Illinois. Illinois is a really good team, and I don't really expect much from the Wolverines, but coming off the COVID issues and playing really bad, I hope that they can at least make it look like a decent loss and we can kind of maybe get a gauge as to where Michigan is going to go the rest of the season because the Big Ten slate, like you were saying earlier, man, there's no no days off with this Big Ten this year. Tonight, I'm I'm really looking forward to the Ohio State-Wisconsin game. Should be a really good game. I think that, you know, like you said, Ohio State struggles up in Madison often. But it'll be interesting to see how that matchup goes tonight. Indiana at Iowa is, is kind of a low-key big game for the conference. You know, as both teams are trying to position themselves at the at the top of the conference. So that's that's really, a really kind of a big game, too. And then Monday... Purdue at Illinois, in, in my opinion, it's still two of the best teams in the conference. So I'm really looking forward to that game as well. It's kind of an oxymoron to say, but we always think about the physicality of the Big Ten. I know I said last week, but we have scores in this conference. And any given night, you can see Indiana, Wisconsin, Nebraska, the, these teams with these high-profile NBA talent guys, and guards specifically, are able to kind of surprise teams. So you're right. I, I'm actually really excited for that Indiana-Iowa game between Trace Jackson Davis at Indiana and Keegan Murray for Iowa. It's going to be a lot of fun there. That is a low-key big matchup like you mentioned. But then there were a few other ones as well that you talked about. Purdue and Illinois. That's an opportunity for Purdue. If they do want to have a chance to regular season Big Ten Championship, it's a very critical game for them to win. And also, if you're Illinois you have a chance to really kind of distance yourself against teams that you perceive as probably being the other better teams in the Big Ten. Even teams, I guess, like Wisconsin and Ohio State, we went into the year thinking they were going to be second tier. Now they're hanging around. You don't want to give those kind of programs the belief that they can't hang in there for 20 games in a conference season. Win that game, and I really do think you have a chance to see Illinois really run away with it, win this thing by two or three. But outside of that, Michigan, I'm really intrigued to see how they respond from this break. Weren't playing really good basketball, honestly, all year up to this point. Maybe this was the thing they needed to kind of just hit the reset button, get back into doing their own thing, get out of the national light for a second, and now come back. If they start playing well, I mean, the season's still very young. If, if you do get into the dance, this is a great point to start really growing as a team. So those three, I guess, were the matches I'm most looking forward to. Yeah, and to touch on Michigan a little bit, I was listening to Dan Dockage today on, I, for, I forget which is it, Rothman and Ice down here in Columbus. And he was asked about his opinion on Michigan. And I was so happy that the first thing he pointed out oh, after the, uh, he, he mentioned something about Howard not having beelines culture in place. And he took over a great culture that beelines, oh, yada, yada, yada. And then the first guy he mentioned was Devontae Jones. And I, I know, I, I'm not sure if I've been as critical on, on Devontae Jones on the podcast as I have been in our group messaging, but Devontae Jones is a major reason why Michigan wasn't playing very well, in my opinion. And it was just really nice to see that uh, a guy like Dan Dockage completely agrees with me. So I just wanted to point that out there. 
I'm also intrigued because I get to watch Michigan a lot when they're on TV or I'm having it with the three or four TV setup, but I very rarely do I just sit down and focus on Michigan basketball unless it's in the tournament or something. You'd imagine he, as a former player, going through that school, he's a very players-friendly coach. Do you think that there's like a lack of accountability? Is that what you're kind of hinting at right now? Yeah, there very well could be. I obviously have no idea what the culture actually is like there at Michigan, but it just does seem like this team doesn't have the discipline on the court that they did under Beeline for so long. And even last year with Howard and then the year before that with when they had Xavier Simpson. So it, it, it is kind of weird. The, the transition of going from a we're developing guys for three to four years and having them, you know, peak later in their careers to having five-star guys like Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston come in and play right away. It, it's a tough transition, but this is really the first time Michigan's doing it under hardball or really under anybody. So we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm not, even if Michigan doesn't make the tournament this year, it's a bad season. Whatever, we'll throw this one out. Howard has a lot of learning to do with this new way. If, if he's going to try to recruit at this level like he does, there's definitely going to be some adjusting, in my opinion. I did lie, too. There's one other team I want to go into a little bit more detail about real quick, and that's the Purdue Boilermakers. We saw them come out the hottest team in America, not just a Big Ten this year for the first month of the year. And I don't know if it's the midseason lull, if they're getting bored, but they're kind of struggling with a lot of teams they have no business struggling with this year. And this week, I think, is going to be a really fun kind of view of that team because they have a very underwhelming Nebraska Cornhusker team right now that, again, we know they have the scores that can compete against a team like Purdue if they get hot. Then they follow it up with Illinois on the road. This is one of those weeks I could see Purdue beating both of those teams by four inexplicably. What do you think it is for Purdue right now? Is it just simply a midseason lack of focus? Or do you think that there's actually some problems that might be underlying here that might be getting exposed in conference play? Yeah, I don't I don't think you can excuse the the Rutgers loss. But like you you know, like you mentioned before, and like we've said so long, you know, this Big Ten conference is really, really deep and you can't you can't take a night off. You know, Wisconsin is a really, really good team, too. So I, I kind of excused the Wisconsin loss. They didn't play well at Penn State, but on the road in the Big Ten, anytime you can win, you know, yeah, that's that's a good thing. So I'm not really that concerned about uh, Purdue right now. They did blow out a Butler team about a month ago. They beat a good Villanova team, a good UNC team. They blew out another good Florida State team. So this team has shown that they can beat some of the best teams in the country. So I'm not, re- I'm not really concerned about Purdue right now. I also believe that big men that are the focal point of their teams, those teams sometimes struggle in the regular season. It's hard to keep that aggression and that level of physicality that you need all year long. So that's why I always believe that it's really difficult for teams with the makeup of Purdue, if they're not getting the three-point shooting that they need, they're going to have a hard time winning in a conference as deep as the Big Ten. And this year, we say it every year, but why not have a national championship come out of this group? There's seven or eight teams that can get hot for a six-game stretch. And at some point, the bubble has to burst. I'm like, we keep waiting for it. 
this year, with how the teams are kind of struggling a little bit, laying below the radar, it might actually be the perfect recipe to finally see a Big Ten team cutting down the nets after six games. Yeah, that's another thing that Dockage was talking about, about the the really, really bad performance the Big Ten had last year in the tournament. And he thinks that the the conference is just as deep as it was last year, but he, he doesn't anticipate the the kind of drop-off in the tournament play that we did. Hopefully the Big continue to progress throughout the season because it would be really nice to see the Big Ten finally get out of that that slump that we've been in for so long in basketball. Amen. We just have to hide Sister Jean away from the rest of the Big Ten top dogs this year. Can't have that happening again. But what do you say we talk about a little bit other Big Ten news now? We're going to get out of basketball a little bit or at least mix it up. First little thing we want to talk about here, Jim Harbaugh, as soon as that loss to Georgia happened, there was a lot of rumblings. Whether it be the Raiders or the Bears, he was interested in taking an NFL job. Now it's starting to sound like he's working to restructure for a longer deal at Michigan. Do you think that that's all it was? Was this was a play to make maybe get a little bit of that money he lost going into last year back? Or do you think he was actually flirting a little bit with NFL teams? I do think that Harbaugh was entertaining the offers, but the more in-depth I got with it and did some research, the more I think it's just a leverage play for him to stay at Michigan I don't necessarily think it was for his salary, as you know. We we heard this this earned almost all of his incentives, and he just donated it. So I don't really think it's for his salary or money for him. I think it's because Harbaugh has expressed frustration with the admissions process for transfer and graduate transfer players at Michigan. So I believe that he he was you know entertaining offers to get Michigan to move on making the process easier for Harbaugh to get transfers in so that he can attack the portal a little bit better and more frequently than what he has been doing. And in addition to that, Harbaugh has been, Harbaugh and Michigan have been behind the eight ball with all this NIL stuff too. And ever since all that stuff came out, it seems like Harbaugh has been, frustrated with the way Michigan has been handling that as well so I've I've been hearing and you know they're all just rumors Harbaugh with Stephen Ross this this and this I've been hearing that he's been reaching out to donors and some alums to try to get some NIL stuff in place so that he and Michigan can recruit at the levels that he needs to to take Michigan to the next level of competitiveness because I think the Georgia game was a really, really harsh reality check that even though Michigan has been successful compared to most, they're still not up there with the top dogs. So I I would be surprised if Harbaugh does end up leaving, but you know, we'll we'll see within the next couple of weeks, whenever the Raiders season ends, if they attack Harbaugh or if they try to what what is um I'm blanking on the freaking interim coach's name. Rich Bazakia. Bazakia. Okay, I was just listening to it, but uh, yeah. So I don't know. It, what if they win a game or two in the playoffs? I, I, I've been hearing that the players love him. I just heard it on the radio that everybody loves him. So it'd be difficult to let a guy go that turned your season around, kept them from being so distracted, and then wins a playoff game or two, and then you just give him the boot. So. I don't think it's the Raiders. It it could be, and I, I don't really think it's the Bears either. I think it's a leverage play for him to get what he wants at Michigan. 
First, just to touch on the Raiders stuff too, because you're right, yeah, the players do love Rich Bazakia, and I do think that they'd entertain keeping him if they won a game or two in the playoffs, but there's a lot of rumors, who knows if they're true, that if the Raiders did pursue Jim Harbaugh, he would be kind of looking for a lot of power, basically being GM and head coach, and that it wouldn't really surprise me with a guy like Harbaugh. He thinks, and this isn't a bad thing, but he thinks very highly of himself, as he should, and he believes that he'd be the guy that'd be able to really take a team to another level. But that leads me into Harbaugh. This is a really interesting flex point he's at right now. You mentioned they just had a really magical year, but it ended very similarly to like the way Michigan has looked in past really big marquee games. And he has to look in the mirror and say, hey, am I willing to stay here, potentially lose to Ohio State three or four times, maybe in five years, because of the talent that they have, I'm not going to have. The money that they have, I'm probably not going to have. There's a lot of variables here that if he truly loves Michigan that much, maybe he stays. He is the best guy for the job right now. I don't think anybody can dispute that. But does he want to stay? I think he inevitably does. The money's going to be really hard to pass up. The momentum that he just acquired this last year is going to be really hard to pass up. And not to mention, this goes for anybody. Who doesn't like to be wined and dined and feel wanted? He just has been drugged through the mud for years now. After he got to Michigan, he had a few years of the honeymoon period. But after that was gone, you had Michigan fans even calling for his head last year. He's taking his run through the sun right now, and who can blame him? He just had this great year. Get the money you deserve. Take those calls. If an NFL job pops off and you think, say, hey, you know what? I can walk in and be the guy right now, possibly win a Super Bowl, really take my legacy to another level. I don't think a lot of people could blame him. I just know as a, a very bitter Buckeye fan still from November, I would love for him to still be in Michigan next year because I do want to beat him. And I also, because I'm a Raiders fan, that'd be a really hard pill to swallow right away. Be like, oh, God, I got to start wearing khaki pants now and get excited for this guy. Oh, that is hilarious. But I can't make fun of you too much because that's exactly what I did when I was a Michigan fan and Harbaugh got hired in at Michigan. I bought myself like five pairs of khakis and wore them every single game day. So, yeah, it's a really interesting situation. Harbaugh, his stock is as high as it's ever been, really. The, The transition that he's made, from last year, 2020, to this year in 2021, it has been outstanding. There are a ton of really quality head coaching positions that are available. So I could not blame Harbaugh if he left and went back to the – I really can't blame anybody for going from college to the NFL because, shoot, I, you don't have to recruit 24-7, 365. So, I I mean, I can't blame really anybody, who, no matter what who it is. So – It'll be interesting. I'm really going to keep my eye on this, obviously, the next few weeks. But I, I ultimately think Harbaugh is going to stay at Michigan. We want to remind you guys that Pigskins and Nylon is brought to you by Tabbies.com, the best Delta 8 THC edible on the market. It's sugar-free, keto-friendly, gluten-free, heat-resistant, made of 100% pharmaceutical-grade ingredients with consistent dosing for the perfect edible experience. But hey, if you're not into Delta 8 THC, that's not a problem. Tabby's offers an option with no THC while using the same proprietary drug delivery system 
to ensure that guaranteed dosage of CBD. Right now, Tabbies.com offers three flavors, galactic fruit, watermelon, and mint. Mint is my personal go-to, and it's perfect anytime you are feeling anxiety and stress running your life. As some of you may know, I've been battling depression and anxiety for a long time. Products like this really help me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. It's not a quick fix, but it really has helped me, and I'd recommend them to anybody, even if they weren't our sponsor. So please make sure you do follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Tabby's Co. That's Tabby's Co. spelled T-A-B-E-A-S-E-C-O to be the first to know when they drop. You can get any of these products at tabbies.com and with the promo code BIG10, you can get 20% off your entire order and free shipping. Then our next thing here, we have way too early top 25 projections from 24-7 Sports. You guys know we're very high on that website. To give you the list here of Big Ten teams, where they have them ranked going into the year as it sits, they have Penn State at 20, Iowa at 16, Michigan State at 9, Michigan at 7, and Ohio State at 2. I'll tell you my initial reaction here, and I'll just throw it over to you, Casey, to get yours as well. I think that I actually am pretty okay with most of these rankings. The only thing I'd say is, like all these preseason rankings, this isn't where they're going to end up. Like, we're putting a lot of stock in Mel Tucker and Michigan State coming off the year they just had. Hangover years happen, especially how high of a year this was for Michigan State to lose a Heisman Trophy candidate in Kenneth Walker III, to lose Jalen Naylor. It's going to be really difficult to just start as a top 10 team again and live up to those expectations. Beyond that, though, I think that they have these teams right. It's the teams they don't have listed that surprised me. Wisconsin not being listed here. I know we were really low on Graham Mertz at the end of this season, but going into his junior year, even a marginal leap with how good that defense is, there's no reason at all that they can't be a 10 or an 11 win team again. And in Minnesota, we talked about it, or at least I keep harping on that they basically are Wisconsin, but just out Wisconsin them this year. If they can keep that up, you might have a second team in the Big Ten West that's going to be kind of taking that Iowa role as a 10-11 win team every now and then. So that was really surprising me from them getting left off sick. What about you? Do you have anything looking at this five teams that you're really riled up about? You know, one of the bigger surprises, I guess, from this entire poll it was Wisconsin, just like what you said. I was surprised that they were not even in the top 25 I know I was probably a little higher on Wisconsin at the end of the year than what most were, but I, like you said, that defense was so good, and the the way they were able to regain focus and win eight of their last nine games was really outstanding, and then win, win their bowl game too. So I'm kind of surprised Wisconsin's on there over a team like – or behind a team like Penn State, I guess is what I was trying to say there. A little surprised that Michigan was behind teams like Notre Dame and Clemson. Notre Dame bringing in a new coach and, you know, going through that transition and then Clemson having a down year. But I, I guess when you consider everybody that Michigan is losing or, or will lose, I could see them starting in the 7-10 to 10 range, kind of like Michigan State, and that's where I'd expect Michigan State to. The last thing that kind of stood out to me throughout this poll, too, and this isn't the official AP preseason poll or anything. It's just some dude wrote an article listening to teams. The Buckeyes host Notre Dame, and if this poll is accurate, that's a top five matchup 
week one, right? I believe that's week one. So that that would be absolutely out, outstanding and very, very fun a week one game. So, you know, there's there's so many storylines in that game. Freeman was a player for the Buckeyes. And, you know, James Laronitis went from play, obviously played at Ohio State. He was doing radio down here, and he was just hired in a couple weeks ago at Notre Dame. So really, really going to be a massive game either way. But if both teams are ranked in the top, shoot, if they, top eight, which, I mean, obviously depends on Notre Dame, but that that's just going to make for an outstanding week one. And I can't wait already. You hit it on the head, too, with the Marcus Freeman stuff. You, and then his conversation about how he went to Notre Dame opposed to going to Ohio State because he thought that that's the place that was more equipped to win a national title. There's going to be a lot of really fun storylines going into that Week 1 matchup. And we saw Ohio State kind of start slow with Minnesota this year. They're going to have to start foot on the ground going 100 miles an hour if they're going to be expected to win that game against Notre Dame. But there's one other thing I want to comment on that you said Wisconsin's defense does this every year now. What's to stop Wisconsin from having an offensive performance similar to what we saw with Michigan this year? And if they do that, we could see a Wisconsin team not only in the playoff, but like Michigan, being in that touchdown underdog realm to the eventual national title champion. So, I mean, Wisconsin, people sleep on them a lot. We think we know what they are. All it takes is them to have that Russell Wilson year for them to be a really, really special team. Who knows? I, I'm not saying Gray Merch is ever going to get there because it doesn't feel like he will. But if he can grow even a little bit and they stick to what they're doing where they're a run-first offense, who's to say Wisconsin can't not only be a Big Ten West champion, but a Big Ten champion? Yeah, I mean, especially what they... It seemed like they found a really dominant running game with Braylon Allen and the second half of the season too. So maybe they don't have to rely on Mertz as, as much as maybe what we think they might need to. But I, I, see, I completely see your point, Wally. The college football playoff expansion talks stalled this week. No agreement is in sight. We kind of were hopeful, and shame on us for getting hopeful at the start of this football season because the rumblings were, it seemed like it was inevitable, the talk of expansion. Now, all of a sudden, I don't know if it's a money factor, if it's a bowl game factor, like losing bowls, whatever it is, the talks have stalled. And sadly for teams like Cincinnati, that was probably one of their last shots at it until they get expansion. I really don't know what to say here, Casey. I'm going to throw it to you. Do you like what should we feel? I haven't done too much research on into the expansion talks or anything, but from everything that I've heard, it seems more unlikely that the expansion is going to happen before the 12-year contract runs out. And some of the issues that I've heard are like media, TV contracts, bowl games, and more specifically the, the number of teams in the expansion, which is interesting because when they came out that they were going to expand, it seemed like 12 was the number. And so it's interesting that the committee of commissioners have yet to come in agreement. I think it's disappointing because – they got us all hyped up like we were gonna it seemed like it was gonna happen next year or whatever but I get it it's a lot of work a lot of details that we as fans probably don't understand need to be done before all this stuff happens but it it just kind of makes me wish that they would have kept the talks the expansion talks more private or confidential so that they didn't get guys like me all hyped up for this expansion 
it's that whole, you feel better if you just don't know, like you said. As soon as we heard the talks, our minds went a mile a minute. We started doing the whole, oh, imagine this year. Oh, this team would play that team. Oh, imagine where they'd play. And we got all excited. And like you said, now it's going to be another, what, six, seven years at the minimum, it feels like. I don't know. It, it, it hurts because you're seeing now with the SEC, by the end of this, they're going to have Texas and Oklahoma in as well. The Big 12 is effectively going to be another group of five conference. So you're going to likely see a lot of years like this year where you're going to have two SEC teams in, one Big Ten team in, and that's maybe Big Ten team in, because now Lincoln Riley's out at USC. You know that that USC team is going to respond like we haven't seen them probably since Pete Carroll. They're going to be good. The Pac-12 will start getting teams in again. And at that point, it's going to take magical seasons like Michigan. Otherwise, it's going to only be uh, like the Ohio State to the world, stuff like that coming out of the Big Ten, it sucks. Like, I want to see, whether it be 6, 8, 12, I want to see other teams. I want to see things happen where, even if this year, like, let's say Cincinnati matched up with, oh, uh, God, Michigan State opposed to uh, whoever they play. You know what I'm saying? Like, they could have won that game, and who knows what that does to that program going forward instead they lose to Alabama, and people like you and I are patting ourselves on the back saying you never belong there to begin with. So this is just, everybody loses in this besides those top dogs in the SEC. Couldn't agree more, man. You know, we'll touch on the, the national championship game. That, that was going to be my final thought here. But, man, it, if it, it's scary, really. Any, any sort of expansion just means more SEC teams in because – like we've been talking about with recruiting, gosh, these teams are Texas A&M, LSU even still, along with Bama and Georgia, are just recruiting at a level that nobody else is. Then you throw in a Texas and Oklahoma. My goodness, it's there's there's going to be a lot of SEC teams. And like you mentioned with Lincoln Riley at USC, he is, he is off to a really hot start recruiting too. I know they lost five-star transfer quarterback Jackson Dart to the portal, but it, I think there's a reason why. He went into the portal. I think it's because Caleb Williams is going there, which, I mean, my goodness. Okay. Uh, getting off track a little bit. Uh, really rooting for the expansion. I think, like you mentioned, it could be really fun. You could get teams like Michigan, Michigan State, Cincinnati, teams that don't normally, one, make it to the playoff, and two, they don't really have a shot in beating the top dogs. Chance to get them a victory before they get shellacked by the Alabama and Georgias of the world. So, excited for it to happen. Not sure when it's going to. Feels like a while away, but we'll we'll go one more topic, then we'll give a couple final thoughts before we wrap up. Five Big Ten basketball players appeared on the latest NBA mock draft top 30 rankings. Jaden Ivey of Purdue at number four. Johnny Davis of Wisconsin at number seven. Keegan Murray of Iowa at number 13. Bryce McGowan's of Nebraska at 20. And EJ Liddell of Ohio State at 22. Casey, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Any of these guys stand out, possible names that aren't there. And then I want to know, of these five, how many of these guys are in the NBA next season? You know, I don't I don't think there are any surprises here, to be honest with you. I haven't watched too much of Davis and Murray, but statistically they are absolutely tearing it up this year in the Big Ten. EJ is someone that I felt like if he was three or four inches taller would be working his way up into the top ten with his skill set. But I think, he, you know, he's fine there at 22. 
right in the range where I would take him as an undersized guy. Guys that aren't there, you know, Caleb Houston, Hunter Dickinson have fallen off the face of the earth, it seems like. Kofi Coburn, Trace Jackson Davis, two guys that are really, really good college players, maybe don't really translate into today's NBA game, but... For the guys that are on the list, you know, Jaden Ivey's a beast. I think he, I, I think all five of these players that were ranked in the, in the top 30 are going to be in the NBA next year. I don't think there's any doubt. When you have this sort of rating midway through the season, you're, you're going to be a first-round pick. So I think all the guys are, are going to be there. I don't think – I think Jaden Ivey's is uh, – his stock is about as good as it's might ever get. I don't know. He's kind of – really improves in his time at Purdue. You could say the same about Johnny Davis, too, with Wisconsin. So so to answer your question, yes, all five are going to be in the NBA next season. I can't imagine you pass up that kind of money and opportunity to be a first-round pick. But, yeah, I mean, it just goes to show kind of the depth of the Big Ten once again, like we talked about all episode, to have five of the top 22 guys ranked in the NBA mock draft. So really, really good stuff by the Big Ten. I think of the five, if there's one person that I think that there would be a chance they return to try to improve their stock, it would be Bryce McGowan's. And my reason for that is that he chose Nebraska because of an emotional and a family relation. He has his brother out there playing. He wanted to play with him. They wanted to kind of make a stamp on a program that doesn't have one. And they've done, he's played really well. His brother got hurt really on. And that feels like it really derailed what could have been Nebraska standards, a very special season. I could see him deciding to come back if his brother was still there. Because, I mean, going into this year, I think that I would have probably guessed he would have been in the top 10 at this point. And because he hasn't really had that opportunity, I could see him going back. But beyond that, the only person I feel bad for, it's like you said before, Kofi Coburn. God, if this was 20 years ago, I mean, the guy would have been a top five pick. Everybody would have wanted the guy. And now instead, the game's passed. Not his fault him by. He's not fast enough. He's not a shooter. He's not going to be able to be a stretch five. He's kind of blah. And that sucks for him. But it it is what it is in 2021. I guess 2022 basketball. Jesus. Time goes fast, Casey. Certainly does, my dude. (laughs) I'm good to go. Perfect. All right, and that is going to bring us to the end of another episode of Pigskins and Nylon, brought to you by Tabbies.com, the world's best Delta 8 edible. We'll be back next week, talk some basketball, and fill you in on any current events in the conference. If you like our podcast, please share it and spread it around to your friends and family, and make sure you go and follow us on Twitter at P&NPod, Facebook at P&NPod, and Instagram also at P&NPod. Hayden's not going to be here today. Hopefully we get him back next week, get a full show for 51. 50 is a really impressive accomplishment. I'm happy. I'm going to be more thrilled to have you two as partners. Hopefully we have another 50 and well beyond that. No, you said you wanted to talk about the national title game, though. What do you want to say, buddy? Yeah, so I was just going to wrap up my final thought with saying that I thought I thought the game was outstanding. You know, it was intense. It was low scoring in the first half, but... If you love football, that first half was still very, very fun for you. But ultimately, Georgia made bigger and more timely plays than what Alabama did. I think Saban put it best or said it best to Kirby after the game. I don't know if he caught that, but he goes, you guys kicked our ass in the fourth quarter. And they they certainly did. Georgia really 
ran the ball all over Alabama on the second half. They really took their manhood away from him, it seemed like, which is weird. They out-physicaled them, but it's not really something that you say about an Alabama team. But really, that should make Michigan fans feel better because they got smacked around by Georgia, too. And it's like, oh, you know, Alabama got smacked by them. We did, too. So, But, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm just trying to tie this into some Big Ten football, I guess. But overall, I think Georgia was the most consistent and dominant team throughout the 2021 season. So they really deserve to have the chance to avenge their loss and ultimately, you know, won the national championship doing so. That, you know, that's my final thought. My my final, final thought is go Steelers. Yeah, dude. Well, first of all, I have to say for that national title game too, it was the perfect way for me to finish the season with my foot in my mouth with Stetson Bennett performing the way he has when honestly all year I was saying, hey, you know what? This Georgia team's going to be the number one team going into the SEC title game. They're going to lose to Bama and then they're going to lose to Bama again. And that's, it was like the perfect blueprint. It felt obvious. And I expected the same kind of performance as the SEC title game. And instead, Georgia, I think it was very important to keep that game close in the first half because they were going to wear down Alabama. And they did it and credit to Georgia. 1980. I mean, 42 years since they last won. And that was, we finally don't have to see that Herschel Walker highlight every time we see Georgia in a playoff game anymore. Congratulations to Georgia fans and like you said, for your team, just win, baby. Go Raiders. Got anything else for us, Casey? Nope. Uh, no, I'm good, man. Uh, we could dive into that national championship game a, a, a ton more, but I just want to point out that you did make a great point there. It was important for Georgia to keep that game close in the first half, and in that first half, I felt like Alabama was really controlling the game, but settled for field goals. Been saying it all year long, all Big Ten season long can't settle for field goals and that's what they did so that's my final thought don't settle for field goals what a perfect way to wrap up the first football season for our podcast a field goal settling team loses a game and pisses casey off perfect but thank you guys so much for listening we'll see you guys back here next week for episode 51 of pigskins and nylon